1: This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus, with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Afternoons with Mike, heard daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network. What an honor it is for me today to welcome a first timer to my program. Someone that has been around in media for many years, doing uh, really a lot of work for God throughout that entire time. He began his broadcast career in 1966. He's worked professionally in radio and TV, church media, along with serving as a professor of communications at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, from which my son graduated with a master's degree. I love that. Wow. He's also uh, a master's from a Dallas Baptist University and was also bestowed an honorary doctorate degree from that same place, Dallas Baptist University. For many years, he was involved and still is involved with the NRB, the National Religious Broadcasters, and he served as the chairman for a number of years. It is my privilege to welcome Dr. Ronald Harris. Ron, welcome mm-hmm. to my program.
0: Mike thank you so much uh, what a what a pleasure it is to be with you and to be able to share what God has done in my life uh, through Christian media and media in general
1: you've been in both and that is uh, so amazing to see a career that you started and you're still doing it after all these years. I was interrupted by this thing called a call into full-time church ministry. But I I so have loved, even throughout all those 36 years, the the opportunity that you've been able to do and stay involved. And now I'm back. It's almost like turning 360, Ron. I'm back uh, doing what I started doing in that uh, year way back in the early 70s. What gave you the desire or the heart, if you will, for being a broadcaster?
0: You know, I grew up in a home that uh, very interestingly, and by God's design, my dad um, was an accountant, but he ended up after World War II buying a radio repair shop Hmm. and um, a lot to that story. But uh, we, I would, that that was my playground, uh, fixing radios, (laughs) uh, you know, putting the tube out, checking it, putting another one in. Uh, doing that as even as a young boy. And then when television came in in our area, the late forties, early fifties, um, dad began to do that. His shop began to repair TVs. We always had a television in our home. It wasn't always ours. Dad would bring one home and say, well, let's check this for a day or two and make, make sure it <laughs> keeps working. That, that, that worked. Yeah, it worked. And so from the yeah. earliest day, I was involved and invested in radio and television just as wow. a young kid. And God opened up opportunities through the years to continue on a path like that. Even when I graduated from college with a degree in radio, TV, film, I remember my uh, major professor saying, Well, now what are you going to do? And even though there was not a Christian radio uh, track that you could see out there back in the late 60s, I said, I want to do something that makes a difference in people's lives. And I believe God was. Was encouraging me at that point to say, "Stay on that track, and I'll open up some doors down the road that will allow you to do exactly what I put on your heart to do, mm. and that's make a difference in people's lives. And that difference, of course, being Jesus."
1: Now, obviously, it sounds like you were raised in a home that, that were of believers, right? Yes, thankfully,
0: uh, mom and dad weren't perfect, but boy, I tell you what, we uh, we grew up in a home that. Where the Lord was loved, and we were at church uh, all the time. And um, we just had a great time as a family. I have a brother who was in uh, public education for a while, but then spent most of his years as a worship leader in in a church and uh, writing Christian music and other things. I have a sister who also had been very invested in singing choirs and helping with productions and doing whatever she was gifted to do through the life of the church that was just our bent. That's how God uh, moved us. And we were grateful to have parents that encouraged that all along the way.
1: That is such a blessing. And you know, you look around at today's world, Ron, there's so many people we see growing up and coming up and a lot of young people. uh, They just don't have that heritage or the legacy handed down from parents who were believers. It, It is such a privilege, I think, to be counted among those that grew up in church there was an old saying, I'm sure you've heard it, cut my teeth on the church pew. <laughs> I've heard that before, and that's what I did, and I'm grateful that I was able to do that. And that you is know, not mar- only
0: my parents getting me to church, but I'm thinking of the many adults who were there who were both role models and mm-hmm. those who worked with us as young people, uh, sometimes as children, but then as we grew older, whether it was camps or at the church itself, Young adults and older adults who mentored us. Now, they wouldn't know they were doing it. It was just the lifestyle. And uh, what a blessing it was. I'm, I'm thinking of people who are in church now. Maybe they have kids. Maybe they don't. You don't know what an opportunity you have to pour into the life of a young person simply by living out your life in front of them and occasionally engaging them and loving them.
1: You know, that's really true. The role that everyone plays, that's the whole thing of community in a church that we can all take a part in church life. And we do, we grow from other people around us, those that we see, those who are modeling before us their lives. And it doesn't have to be a fancy thing. It's just everyday Mm -hmm. life, living out the gospel in everyday life.
0: I could probably tick off a dozen names right now, people who influenced my life growing up. And um, almost all of them were those involved in my church mm-hmm. and who poured into my life. And uh, some of it, you're right, it was just casual. It right. wasn't orchestrated, it wasn't a mentorship program. They just were there. And some taught Sunday school and some were just good people that were around you and invited you over to their house. and. Uh, you know, it's just a lot of ways that we can encourage our young people to stand strong for the Lord, live out their life with what God's put in their heart. They don't all have to volunteer or be called to the ministry, but they live out their Christian life in however God has gifted them Mm -hmm. and what he's put on their heart to do. And I was so encouraged that way. I just wrote a note to a man who was one of those men in my church he's an older man, uh, even older than me now, he and his wife still contribute to my ministry. Wow. I just wrote him a note oh, saying, my goodness. what a special thing it is yeah. that you and your wife are continuing to bless me uh, through all these decades.
1: How cool is it to run the race from start to finish and have some of those that were at the start at the finish? I mean, that's pretty yeah. great, isn't it?
0: Uh, that verse in Hebrew is that great cloud of witnesses. Yeah. Um, thankfully, some of them are still here on the earth. Others are in heaven. And I do believe that there are many like that, probably Mike in your life as well as mine, who are cheering us on, who are encouraging us, who under God's direction are, are allowing even their memories to encourage us to stay on track, to, uh, to do as Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, uh, be people who stand firm. Right. In spite of the culture, in spite of the way other things go, stand
1: firm and God will honor it. He directs our paths, according to the scripture. Mm-hmm. And he does that with our, or without our understanding or <laughs> realization. He's, he was guiding you. And that was uh, something I wanted to ask you about. Now, you mentioned entering college uh, to get a degree in this kind of a thing. Now, at one point, though, you had to get your first job. What was that yep. first job? How did that happen?
0: I was in college at the time. And, and I just sensed God moving me towards the media area more and more. I loved it anyway. And uh, so there was a radio station in Shawnee, Oklahoma. I was going to school at Oklahoma Baptist University and KGFF and uh, Bill Weaver was the manager of the station. And he would take a chance on some of us, uh, people who had a whole lot more passion than talent and uh, allow us (laughs) to be on for a few hours and uh, work there. And I worked from a couple of weekends and then worked up almost every night. And so I spent the first couple of years of my broadcast career at KGFF. And, um, I remember you'll love this, Mike, there was a, a lady and a retired English teacher who would listen. And if I said something that was grammatically wrong, she felt compelled to call me up and correct <laughs> me. <laughs> That's probably and we was. We a- great friends, <laughs> and in fact, my now wife, whom I was dating then, uh, we took her out to to lunch on Mother's Day one time. Oh my! Just because we had we'd had that relationship, she corrected my pronunciations or my <laughs> grammatical errors, and I loved it. And I'm a better person as a result of it. Oh yeah. Uh, So it was, you know, it it was a great start to my career.
1: Yeah. I uh, there are stories like that that are just so precious. As we uh, get older, I look back on those early years. My first job was similar. Uh, It was in a uh, uh, a little community about 30 miles away from my home, and so I had to drive. I I I had to be there at 5:30 a.m. Did you start off in the uh, early hours job?
0: Thankfully, I started off uh, later in the day, but I I for in my Christian radio career, I started with the early morning program for about yeah. 15 years. So
1: I know what it's like. Yeah. So I had to pull out of my house at 5 a.m. every morning that summer, and I was still in college, and uh, there there were so many great experiences. Of course, when you have an entry-level job like that, you do everything from sweep the floor to queue up back in that day tapes. Right. Uh, and, uh, people today in radio, they don't have to get their third class ticket like you and I did. Right now that was in yeah. and of itself, uh, a, a tough thing for a lot of people. And it was for me yeah. with element nine, that third element that you had to get.
0: <laughs> it was a bit intimidating it to was. do that. But then of course, you know, we had to take those meter readings and yep with a transmitter and do all those things that kept that AM radio station operating. Uh, appropriately according to the rules
1: Every time I hit that transmitter to turn it on in the morning and I would feel that power it it caused my hair to just stand up and I mean it oh it was kind of freaky. I think I'm glad uh, I didn't know back. Then. <laughs> I'm really glad I didn't know back then what we know now about RF <laughs> and all of that but <laughs> that's another story for another time. Uh, this is really great. So y- y- the blend of getting involved in broadcasting, And then it's another thing to be involved in Christian broadcasting. So that would have been back in that day for you as it was for me. That was kind of a a really growing and kind of a a burgeoning kind of a industry in and of itself, right? Yeah. I began doing um,
0: Christian media work with churches uh, before I actually began in Christian radio. Uh, I worked with churches to help them develop a television ministry. In fact, we did that back in the 70s, the mid 70s, which was really early adopters of that for the churches we were in. And in 1980, a church called me as their media minister full time. In fact, I was ordained as a, not a pulpit pastor, but as a media minister. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought that was significant that a church recognized that media wasn't just a service, you know, to help the church service get out and on the air, but it was a ministry in and of itself. That's And right. so um, I was excited to do that. It was 1990 when I began working in Christian radio at KCBI in Dallas, oh, and um, that's a big had an station. opportunity. Great station. It was already good. I had the privilege of serving there 15 years most of that time as the general manager as well as being on the air in the mornings from six to nine and uh so it was kind of load but it was what a great ministry and i learned so much about the power not only of radio but of christian radio mm-hmm. to touch and change lives and um, it opened up a whole world of opportunities there and literally from around the world as we had opportunities to minister globally in a variety of levels, including expanding Christian radio in other parts of the world.
1: Now, how long were you there in that position at that station in Dallas?
0: I was there about 15 years. Oh my. Um, And um, yeah, I took a little, uh, about a nine months uh, leave to go be a minister of media at at a church, First Baptist in Dallas, and through a whole series of events that are not worth talking about, I ended up back at KCBI uh, within the year. And, um, I served as general manager about 13 of those years, but did the morning program for, uh, 15 years and, uh, just loved every minute of it. I, I still hear from, I haven't been on the air and probably in 15 or 16 years, uh, on local radio. I still hear from people who right. say, Oh, I used to listen to you. I grew up with you. I, you know, my mom had it on the radio when I was going to school and, uh, lots of things like that. And, uh, Mike, as, as you know or learning, um, radio is such an intimate tool, uh, communications tool. People feel like they know you personally, That's even right. if they've never met you. Yep. And uh, we would have people come up to us when we do a remote broadcast out in some parking lot someplace, and they would give you a hug and they'd go, oh, I'm sorry, you don't know me, but I feel like <laughs> I know you personally. Yes. And, uh, and, and you know, it was it, it was great. And what it allowed you to do was to speak into their hearts as a friend, not as a, a announcer, not as a, a somebody saying, here's what you need to do with your spiritual life, just as a friend to say, hey, we're on this journey together. Yep. Let's De- see where God takes us. Let's, let's read our Bible. Let's be involved in prayer and to encourage them on a daily basis as a friend, as a companion, in a way that felt very personal mm-hmm. to them.
1: Now, I remember back in that time when I became uh, an operations manager at a station, if I'm not mistaken, KGBI put out a program guide, right? That was like yes. a, a size of uh, the guideposts magazine, almost a little <laughs> little booklet, and it was full color. And uh, yep. we got a hold of one of those and our station copied you. So thank you very much for doing a good job on that. We well, copied- thank
0: you. We had some really creative people and dedicated people who uh, were versed in doing a lot of different things. I can't take credit for it, except maybe saying, hey, why don't we have a magazine? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so uh, that was about it as far as I was concerned. But you know, that, that's a, the other thing. Um, I'm finding now that uh, a lot of what I do, we do some media work, serves as an illustration for others coming along the way. It sets a standard, mm-hmm. excellent. Because it was in color, because it was well done, it was something that you took note of. And so we often do that, even with the international people I work with. We try to do things that sets a high standard because our our reason for doing it is so important. Not that. so that we'll get a claim, but it's so that God will get the glory. And we'll be saying through our efforts, we are doing excellent work because our God is excellent. Uh-huh. And it is worthy of what all we do.
1: Are you happy with what you see happening on the national front today compared to what it was like for when you were doing that back in the 80s?
0: You know, I can take that down two different roads, uh, Mike. One of them, professionalism, high level of professionalism. The only caution I would have is that sometimes, and I find myself trapped into this, we can become so professional that Mm -hmm. we don't depend upon God we can become so professional in what we do. And let's talk about a, a, a radio station out there. If it's a Christian station and they do fundraising, they know how to do it. They've got the plan. They know what to offer. They know how to pitch it to the listeners and they can raise the money they need. And they don't really depend upon God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's in our personal lives. I uh, We had a team on our morning program that every morning before we signed on, we stopped pray because we understood we don't have the power to change people's lives no matter how good we might get it's god that's going to do it it's his holy spirit that's going to do it and we have to be dependent upon him to work through us in order to make that difference in people's lives and so I, i would just say the caution for people in christian media today is Don't be so good that you don't need God.
1: Too polished. That's good word. Dr. Ron Harris is my guest today. I'll be back with him in a moment. We're up against our first break. We'll be back in just a moment. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert
0: accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, Yes and yes! Visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call
1: 855-481-9095. Such a privilege to spend time today with a true broadcast uh, in Christian world, a legend. Really, this man has worked In radio stations, he has worked at the very top levels of the Christian organization called the National Religious Broadcasters, many years on their board, several years as the chairman for three years, as a matter of fact. And uh, Dr. Ron Harris received the NRB Distinguished Service Award just a couple of years ago in 2019 and was named to the National Religious Broadcasters Hall of Fame in 2022. Congratulations on that.
0: Oh, thank you, Mike. That was quite an honor. I was, um, I was shocked because I know who else is on that wall <laughs> in that hall of fame. It's the Billy Grahams and the Chuck Swindolls and the people of that caliber, uh, Charles Stanley. And, and I don't see myself in that light. I've uh, kind of like, yeah, I've been a disc jockey. I kind of think of myself as a DJ, Uh, but how God elevated us and gave us uh, the ability to uh, assist and be encouraged and encourager to others. And uh, I'm so grateful for NRB for that very, very kind recognition.
1: Well, I'm grateful they did. And I can tell just in my short time already with you, the level of humility that you have in your life has taken you where you are. And I'm grateful. And, you know, that is such a needed model for young broadcasters. And I know that what you're doing with the NRB right now is really uh, kind of an advisory kind of thing with the board of governors in the NRB. And you're really able to continue doing just that you're modeling for these young leaders in the NRB. Uh, That's our hope is
0: that, uh, you know, I, I tell people, if you live long enough and you don't stub your toe, uh, <laughs> then sometimes you get an award or two or some notoriety. But really, along the way, you do want to be that encourager of those uh, further back on the pathway. Uh, I don't hold myself up as any great thing, except God has allowed me to, to move down a pathway, serving him um, in areas that he opened up. And um, I don't say that with false humility. I really say that, that I know who I am. And apart from god i would not be involved in many of the things that i'm doing now or have the opportunities to give leadership apart from what god has to put into my life and so it's an easy thing for me to just turn around and say hey let me just share with you what god's done in my life or how we ought to live our life you know i think of that verse where it says god comforts us so that we can comfort those turn around and comfort those like yeah. we've been comforted. That's right. And I think that's a pattern for a lot of things in our lives.
1: Yeah, I agree. Freely we have received, freely give. And that, and that circuit, it's intended to be a circuit of giving. God gives to us, not just for us, then, for, so that we can turn around and let his goodness and his love flow through us to other people. And that's what you're doing. Uh, you know, you mentioned going into this work, you were a- around in the 80s doing this wonderful work in Christian broadcasting. And my mind goes back to the early 80s, and this would be at the end of the Carter administration, the beginning of, uh, I remember that while it was yet that time frame before the election, uh, a big event called Washington for Jesus was held in Mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. Were you there for that? I was not a
0: part of that. I, I was able to be with the Promise Keepers event that was held in Washington. Mm-hmm. And uh, who knows how many were there? Some say a million, some say uh, something under that, but it didn't matter. It was quite a phenomenal experience.
1: Yes. I think the same thing happened with Washington for Jesus. And the reason mm-hmm. I bring that up is that there's always kind of a, an intersection between what's going on in our lives as believers, and then what's happening in the culture around us. And we saw that intersection happen strongly there at that event. And the reason I remember that so clearly was because we were embroiled in the Iran hostage crisis at that time. Mm -hmm. And almost a million people there at that event raising their hands as we were being led to do toward the Capitol building and praying for our nation Right now, we're at a similar kind of crossroads in our country. Would you believe that? I think so.
0: And I think um, it's such an important time. I say critical time, but I mean that in the best sense. It's an important time in our country. Uh, We have so many people that do not have the light. I was just reading a devotional this morning. It was from Henry Blackaby, and Mm. and it was talking about the darkness and the light. And sometimes we, quote, curse the darkness for being darkness. Well, that's what they are. And the only way to dispel darkness is bring the light. And that's how we intersect with the culture. The culture that is non-Christian is in darkness. It's in the darkness. Jesus said, I've come that they might have light. And so it is that light that we spread into the darkness to brighten things. So the opportunity we have culturally is to be light. To be light in the darkness, to share God's hope, to share His truth, to do it in a winsome way—not a—not a way that uh, attacks people, but says, "Look, this is what God is doing in my life. This is who He is. This is His nature. This is what He wants to do in your life and mm-hmm. in the life of our country." I go back to that Second Chronicle seven fourteen mm-hmm. verse so often because we we say, "Well, we need to correct this." We need God said, "If." My people will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. It's like a formula set out for us, and it doesn't start with cursing those or attacking those who are living in darkness. It's that humility before God that says, God, I've, I've messed up. I need to confess my sin before you and seek your face. And then let you do your work in our land.
1: That is so wise. You know, the Bible says that things are going to get worse as Mm -hmm. time goes on. Sin is going to wax stronger and bigger. And we shouldn't, you know, one person said it this way we shouldn't be so surprised at the sins of sinners. We should be surprised when we do it right. He said, (laughs) when we, the fact that we've been blessed and have been given this light of which you speak that should really be amazing to us and that's the amazing part of grace isn't it it is god is so gracious his love for us uh, in that while we were
0: yet sinners he died for us it mm. wasn't that we cleaned ourselves up and he said okay you look pretty good uh here i'll i'll sacrifice for you it's while we were sinning yeah. against him yeah he died for us when you begin to let that sink into your life where there there There's a natural humility that comes when we are humbled by who God is and the recognition that we are not God.
1: That's so good. You know, I'm so grateful that we've had leaders in uh, the NRB and throughout Christian stations like yourself. Now, you mentioned you were a musician. One big part, our station is a teach-talk format, but you also in the NRB and as a chairman of that, you were giving oversight Uh, and leadership to music stations that were also bringing the gospel. How did you see your own experiences as a musician weighing in, let's say, on your understanding of what God was doing through these radio stations?
0: You know, I was probably a little bit uh, off kilter from what a lot of folks were doing in Christian radio uh, through the years. I didn't exactly follow the charts (laughs) on Christian music. And um, KCBI was not ultra contemporary, but was beginning to be a little bit more contemporary. We played music that ministered. We mm-hmm. played music that made a difference. Um, you know, the, a Stephen Curtis Chapman in that day might be followed by Brooklyn Tabernacle um, and some others because it ministered to people. We played music that that fit with what was going on in the world uh, and tried to use it as an illustration of how God works or who God is rather than just play whatever's next on the list on that chart. I'm not putting that down, but I think that those who are selecting the music need to be aware of what is God doing? What is this song saying? Is it honoring God and is it pointing people to Jesus? And um, and then go for it mm-hmm. uh, with that. And there's wonderful music out there. Great songs out there. And some of them are songs that I would like, others maybe I don't like the style. But if the message is there that points people to Jesus, that encourages and edifies us in our walk with the Lord, I'm for it. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Um, I think we need to reach as many people. You know, I think of what the uh apostle Paul said when he was writing to the Corinthians, he said, I'd become all things to all men. And then he said, so that by all means, we may win some. Mm -hmm. And I take that little phrase there, by all means, to mean that Paul would embrace every uh, opportunity that we had to share the gospel, every style, every style that's out there, every platform that is available to us. I think the Apostle Paul would say, go for it, use it, utilize it to share the gospel so that Through all of that, more people will come to know Christ as Lord.
1: You know, so often there are critical words, maybe too critical, spoken about the styles and the different uh, format of the music. And some national leaders will, will come out and really just lay the blade, if you will, to all of that kind of style. And I had a nationally known worship leader friend of mine say to me one time, he goes, if we could hear the style of music that Jesus would like, what would it be? You know, uh, and and there obviously is not an answer that we have for that. And I think we've got to be careful. We've got to take that humility that we talked about earlier, even into this discussion, and just make sure that it, it style is one thing. Uh, unless it is pointing people towards something that is uh, clearly anti-scriptural, that's different. But we need to be careful on that one.
0: I think there's also a call to be uh, deeper in our um, in our expressions. Um, you know, I think of the great hymns of the faith. They've lasted the tens, decades, mm-hmm. hundreds of years because of the depth of the message. You begin to read some of those words from the great hymns of the faith, and you go, "Wait a minute, that's Bible." Yeah, that's what that is. And that's not a a narrow, shallow thought of, you know, I love Jesus. There's a whole lot more to it than that. And I think I applaud those uh, that are today really putting a lot of depth into the, the words that they place out there for all of us to hear, young people particularly, so that there is a depth. And I'm almost seeing a return of many of our young people, not necessarily to the old hymns, but to the depth of structure and uh, biblical uh, truth that is contained in those songs. I think young people uh, today, we're seeing such an amazing thing happen in our world, in our country today, Mm -hmm. with young people who are sensitive to the leadership of the Lord, they want something deeper. And I think uh, if our music, our stations, our churches, Give them something deeper, it will help them grow in their faith and be more effective as a a personal witness and a reflection of Christ to those around them.
1: I agree. And you know, we can't do that unless we have that depth growing. And you mentioned your own daily devotion. So, unless we're doing that, we can't export something that we've not imported ourselves and that it's working in our own lives, right?
0: Yeah. Mike, I used to tell the people at our radio station, uh, KCBI, uh, we can't send out beyond the walls of this building what's not happening inside. Mm. We That's can't right. talk about the grace of God if we're not showing grace inside. We can't talk about the love of God if we're not showing love inside the walls. We have to live out what we're talking about. Um, a friend of mine, Nancy Lee DeMoss uh, Wolgamuth now, um, once said, and she said it wasn't original with her, but I hadn't heard it before. She said, talked about people walking further down the road than they're talking. And she said, I don't want to talk further down the road than I'm walking. Oh, that's wise. I I don't want to say things that I'm not living. And I think it's a great testimony for us a checkpoint for all of us, uh-huh. whether we're in Christian media, we're, we're in music, we're in worship, we're in our daily lives, we're in an office somewhere. We don't want to talk a good game. We want to be a part. We want to be on the playing field for the Lord.
1: That's beautifully said by Nancy, and I, I, I agree. that I, I've never heard that before. That is a great way to express that, that we're not just becoming a a, a church or a kingdom of words, we're we're supposed to be showing the love of God. And again, we can't do that. My son bought me uh, and my wife for Christmas a beautiful new devotional book called Be Thou My Vision. And hmm. the person that wrote this, it started off something that he was using in his own family. And it is kind of a walkthrough every day of not only bible passages but also some of the catechisms from the past uh, the westminster confessions mm-hmm. etc and you pray through you 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 basically sing through a section they have a song a hymn that's listed in there mm-hmm. so i i did that this morning and it was so wonderful to go through the whole thing realizing that you're getting like what you said l- lyrics of hymns that have theological depth to them. Not just a beautiful medley, a melody, not just a beautiful song or an idea, clever idea of lyrics, but something that has theological depth. And that helps us in not only in our own personal walk, but it helps us in our personal talk as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think as God allows us to live a bit longer (laughs) We need to be that example. We need to uphold that and uh, let it be exhibited in our life. I can't tell you how surprised I am when I find out people are watching me. (laughs) Uh, You know, somebody will come up and say, well, I saw, I I, I was going in a restaurant and I opened the door for my wife and a lady came in right after. She says, wow, you held the door for your Mm. wife. I thought, that's nothing. And I, I kind of joked and said, my mother who is in heaven would probably zap me if I didn't, you know, but <laughs> you know, we are trained to do that, but you know what, what it let me remember was people are watching us, Yeah, how yeah. we live, what we do, little things, big things, whatever it is, we need to be on guard, you know, not running scared, but just live out our lives in a way that encourages others and show them the nature of christ that is in us
1: i love that picture about that very thing where paul referred to living letters and that's exactly what we are we we have no idea of the impact that because people are watching and we can think well that's nothing what i do it's no big deal and yet it is a big deal to them so that's a good word from you dr ron harris my guest today We're up against another break. We'll be back with one more segment with him. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study, an evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses were offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Back again with Dr. Ron Harris. He is the founder of Media Alliance International. I know you do a lot of international work and still with the NRB. You are on their board of governors. Again, for those that may not have heard this earlier, you spent a number of years uh, nationally with this national position, three of which as the chairman of the NRB. And for those that may not realize, it's the governing board over all broadcasters that are Christian broadcasters that are uh, out there today. We look to the NRB. There's a national conference each and every year. It's coming up actually in Orlando this year, and uh, I, I'll be there, you're going to be there. Uh, yes. This organization gives leadership and important counsel and direction to the cause of Christ around the world, not just in the United States, but although it's primarily for the U.S., but the impact is felt around the world, right?
0: It is, and uh I served on the staff of the NRB for almost five years, uh, doing inter- kind of introducing a, a, an expanded international work. And the idea was God has blessed us so much in the United States. What can we do to help those in other parts of the world who are in Christian media, get a little further down the road, wow. uh, be more effective in what they're doing. And I did that for almost five years. and and then out of a strong desire to uh, to really be more flexible and more focused on the international work, uh, we formed Media Alliance uh, just 10 years ago, and we now work with Christian media leaders in over 40 countries, Wow! and we're a small ministry on this side, only two of us full-time on staff, um, but we have uh, a number of people that we've had the privilege of working with, in fact we have uh, opened three virtual offices so that we can give emphasis in asia europe and in the big country of brazil and we're holding some leadership conferences there we had one in bangkok thailand in january we're holding one in just a few weeks in budapest hungary for europe and eastern europe and we're bringing in christian media leaders Mm -hmm. to uh, help them give them information but in a lot of ways, just encourage them and help build relationships so that they can serve more effectively. You know, we think of, um, sometimes we call it the 1040 window, the Middle East, uh, the most unreached people we think of. I'm learning so much about Europe and other parts of the world are are really lost. (laughs) I met a couple from Spain. They work in ministry there. They're from Madrid. They tell me out of 47 million people in Spain, only about 1% of the people are followers of Jesus Christ. Mm. Now, culturally, they may attend a church, uh, be of a faith, but it doesn't impact their life. They are not putting their hope and trust in Jesus. So we have such mission fields all over. I think it's exciting that we can encourage and strengthen media leaders who can cross borders and boundaries and cultural uh, barriers with the gospel message, uh, making it accessible and available. We work with people in Turkey. Well, the earthquake there is so devastating. And one of our partners just opened a station in Antioch. It's now called Antakya. It's one of the cities that had been so devastated by that earthquake and they're back on the air. In that city, putting out God's hope to those who are otherwise hopeless in a tent or just in their cars Mm -hmm. or in the street because they can't go into their buildings. Uh, We have an opportunity to make a difference globally through this amazing tool of Christian radio, television, and the internet and social Mm -hmm. media. And uh, we want to, we just want to focus in on those things and help people be as effective as possible in sharing. The only hope any of us have, and that's Jesus Christ.
1: Some people would say, again, critics of broadcasting would say that in America, radio has lost some of its prestige, and certainly the internet has maybe pushed up to the forefront in a lot of people's minds. But it's still an important thing, not only here, over in the international world, it is as big as ever in terms of yep. being able to reach because literally you can take and these uh these groups people groups in these different countries are are able to get broadcasting and i know there are many ministers who are going in and, and giving them radios and and letting them hear the, the word of god's going through radio in a right. big way internationally
0: it's making a big difference by the way on a sidebar there you mentioned here in the united states I just saw uh, one of my friends in, in broadcasting just put out a chart. And um, every week, 91% of the American population, adult population, listens to radio at least once. A
1: week. Wow, no, I've not heard 91%.
0: that. 91%. That is above any other medium that you might want to throw up there, including social media, television, uh, on- online, radio, uh, Oh, it's astounding the impact it still has, though we don't quite understand it or comprehend it. And you're right, in other countries, it is a amazing tool to bring God's hope to people who otherwise don't know. I, I mentioned Turkey. My friend over there, Sonar Tufan, says out of 80 million people, they think there are only about 6,000 Christians. Wow. Out of 80 million. And yet he's now got four, maybe five, Christian radio stations who are putting the gospel out in areas where there's not a Christian witness. And yes, they have to turn the radio on. They have to be driven to that, but it at least makes the gospel accessible to those folks. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're seeing amazing things happen all over the world. Uh, Years ago, one of the things that really spurred me on was uh, we helped a, a man in Indonesia who was starting Christian radio stations. He uh, had about three, two or three on the air, and we helped him when I was at KCBI in Dallas, helped him get about three more stations on the air. And one of them was on a, an island of 100,000 people. It's called Rote Island. And um, it was the only radio station on the island when it went on the air. And so it was kind of a unique opportunity. The people had to get radios and they had to tune it in. After about a year, they announced they were going to have a listener meeting in the main city of this island of hundred thousand people. And they announced it for a couple of weeks. And that's basically what they said, a uh, uh, listeners come to our meeting and they invited them to the soccer field, big open field. Out of hundred thousand people, 9,000 people showed up at this listener meeting. Wow. And at the yes. listener meeting, they told them about the love of God through Jesus Christ and 800 people gave their hearts to Jesus. Oh my goodness. You think the power of radio? Yes, the power of God's spirit at work. But using a tool like radio to gather the people to share the hope and to bring them together so that God's word could take hold in their heart and they could come to know eternally the hope and joy of Jesus Christ.
1: There are many people right now asking for that kind of move, that kind of revival, actually hearing about what's going on in Asbury, uh, what yes. just concluded yesterday with a public 24/7 prayer meeting? Uh, it will be interesting to see now what the Lord what the Lord does with uh, the continuance of this. But the good news is it's not contained or restrained only in Asbury. You can't you can't uh, tie God down. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to move, and I'm praying that these kind of outbreaks, where people are coming, where you have such an outpouring. Uh, of the spirit of God that causes 800 people to give their heart to the Lord, like what you experienced there. Uh, yeah. That is amazing. And, and
0: at our universities, you know, I think some of our young people, their hearts are so tender. They're seeking something of significance. And when they began to see how God is at work as Christians, they, they, uh, they begin to say, Lord, I, I want to confess the sin. I want to pick up the mantle and I want to, continue to be obedient to you Mm -hmm. and do what you call me to do. And there we're seeing it happen. Yes. At Asbury, but also Cornerstone university Baylor university in Texas has had an outpouring others are sensing that. that. And I think it's that tenderness of their heart and their strong desire to make a difference that God is using in a great way. And you're right. May it spill over beyond the campuses. Yeah. into all of our hearts.
1: You know, I think right now as you say that and you look at where our country is, in a real way it feels like our country is up against what it had to be like to be physically up against the Red Sea if you're Moses and mm-hmm. and the children of Israel, they were what uh, seemed to be up against an impossible situation. But with God, all things are possible. So even in a culture that is as Uh, difficult and maybe unforgiving or unopen as what many uh, closed up as what many people believe America is right now. Uh, It's not too late for revival for this country.
0: It's really not. And um, there's so many great stories of what God is doing around the world. In fact, um, I've just finished uh, this fall my book, my memoirs, and it's called The Voice Behind You. It's based on Isaiah 30, 21, that says, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, turn left, turn right. This is the way, walk in it. And, um, and that's the way God has guided me. Uh, turn left here, turn right there, maybe a correction. No, 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 turn right. You know. right. Uh, and that's what the book is all about. And in it, uh, though I tell uh, the, the full story of my life, I also talk about what's happening internationally and what's happening through Christian media what happened in my experience. And, um, so it's been fun to write and be a part of it. By the way, I'll do a selfless promotion here, please. Um, it's available on amazon.com. Uh, the voice behind you, we have it in paperback and Kindle. And I just uh, recently finished the audio
1: version. So I read
0: that and all the proceeds go to our ministry so that can promote it. All of it will pour back into our Media Alliance ministry to help Christian media people, leaders particularly, uh, be all that God has called them to be and to stand firm in their culture and in their country to share the gospel of Jesus.
1: Oh, that's marvelous. So, again, give us the title of your book.
0: It's called The Voice Behind You uh, by Ron Harris, and it's available on Amazon.com in paperback, Kindle form and the audio book that I just finished recording the other day.
1: Wow. All right. That's going to be great. Uh, Ron, you obviously travel a lot with all of the ministry you're doing internationally. What's next up on your agenda? Where are you going to be going?
0: We will be heading to um, Europe. We'll be in Budapest. We're bringing together a, a relatively small group of probably 12 to 15 media leaders from Europe and Eastern Europe to encourage them, to strengthen them. We have some speakers, I'll speak, and uh, mostly to try to motivate them to really be bold in sharing God's hope through their Christian media tools. Uh, After that, we will be in the Middle East. There's a ministry there that we work with uh, that covers all of the Middle East with satellite television. And I'll be there and we'll, we'll just be there to encourage them. I wanna go find out what the latest is going on and to love on those people. I know the, the director, it's called Sat7. She's a dear friend, a very, very capable leader. And I just go and just encourage them and love them and keep them um, moving forward and when there are opportunities to help, we do that. So we we'll be in the Middle East, and then we'll have a trip to Brazil coming a little bit later this year, uh, doing some leadership training as well.
1: Uh, you're a busy man, and I appreciate it, and it's you're just going strong for the Lord, sir. I look forward to seeing you. Maybe we can grab coffee together at the NRB in May. That'd be Mike, fun. I'd look
0: forward to that. That'd be great. Of course, it's always great to come to Orlando, isn't it? Yeah,
1: this is pretty nice here, you know?
0: Not bad. <laughs> and then when you have a, a great group of people who are focused upon using these powerful tools for the glory of God, uh, then it's even better. We have a great friendship, and I Uh, You know, when we see each other, we'll probably hug because even through this radio interview, you feel a connectedness, a Mm. bond, a love for each other because of the love of God flowing through
1: us. That's so true. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate the fact that God has given us that kind of love. It all comes from him. Well, Ron Harris, my guest today, Dr. Ronald Harris. Again, the name of that book is The Voice Behind You? Behind You the Mm -hmm. voice behind you. Check it out on Amazon. Thank you for being with me today, sir.
0: Mike, it's been great to be with you. I look forward to another
1: time that we can spend some time together. I will love to catch uh, up with you uh, at a future date. And friends, we also thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next time right here on The Shepherd on Afternoons with Mike.